everyone. Four Blades in the pub back in relative uh, record time. Phil's just done some sort of hand signal, don't know what it means. But what we're doing tonight is we're going to provide you with some additions to our mythical World Cup squad, uh, which we started to put together at the beginning of the season. So if you're new to the podcast, which would be a surprise since we've barely done any this year, but if you are, the start of the season, uh, we set out to do a World Cup squad. But before I explain the theory behind that, I'm going to very, very optimistically and positively introduce my friends, Phil. Good evening. Good evening. And Ian. Good evening. And Dan's currently whining and dining a colleague, um, all very above board, um, uh, but he'll join us at some point all being well. So the idea at the beginning of the season was it was a World Cup year and we were going to put together a World Cup squad. So obviously the discussions about who's in everyone's favourite United eleven changes all the time, particularly in recent times when we've had so much success. So rather than actually having a favourite 11, we wanted to put together a World Cup squad. The idea, if we did one every podcast, we'd do 23 podcasts. That didn't happen. But we have got the spine of an excellent World Cup squad already. That Stop put- dressing it up. We've done eight. <laughs> <laughs> so in our World Cup squad, and I love squad numbers, so I'm going to give you the squad numbers that have been assigned. We've got number one is Alan Kelly. Number two, Vasper Bokis. Number six is Phil Jagielka. Number 10 is Brian Dean. Number 11 is Dane Whitehouse. 13 is Illiman and Jai, 16, Oliver Norwood, and 17, Morgan Gibbs-White. So we've got quite an array of talent, one goalkeeper, a right-back, one centre-back, one central midfielder, and two wingers slash attacking midfielders, and much debate, but we're probably going to class Jai as a striker, and he's got Brian Dean with him. So we're looking a bit threadbare. And we've picked out... It's gone from having a spine to looking a bit threadbare. (laughs) It's like the West Brom game. I was told that I didn't need to dress it up, so I've just regressed. (laughs) I've tried with the positivity that's being requested, and I'm getting getting shunned. But anyway, we've got four players, and obviously all World Cup squads have three goalkeepers, and usually only one ever plays. But it'd be foolish of anyone else to introduce this this member of the squad the second the first backup if you will the one that we've all agreed on phil who is it well you say first backup i'd still argue he'd be my number one best best goalkeeper i've ever seen simon tracy i know kelly's obviously a lot of people's favorite united keeper tracy's always been mine i think he signed for us when i was about 10 and when United started becoming the side that they became under Bassett and he was integral to that. And I didn't realise until I've looked it up just now, he actually stayed 15 years, which is a a long time for any footballer, but um, for him to stay as long as what he did and to play the amount of games he did for us, he cost us seven and a half grand from, from Wimbledon. And had it not been for injury, he would have got an England cap. I'm sure of that. I think, the comparison between Tracy and Kelly will always be there because of the fact that they were there at the same time. But 
for me, Tracy could do things that Kelly couldn't. He'd save things that should no keeper had any right to save. The 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 famous one being the one at uh, Anfield in front of the cop from Ray Houghton. That even Ray Houghton just stood and applauded. He had he had an ability to make saves that he had no right to make. I guess why he's not everybody's number one is because he also had the ability to lose his mind at times and and get himself in sticky situations and get himself sent off at times, which is which is probably why he ended up losing his place to Kelly and never really regaining it until Kelly went. But yeah, our, our, our backup goalkeeper, if that's what we're going to call him, backup goalkeepers, Simon Tracy, but what a backup to have. Yeah. I completely agree. I mean, I think we forget that he was, what, 21, I think, when we signed him from Wimbledon. So he was only a young keeper. Probably came in when, you know, Ben said was not, not, nothing particularly wrong with Ben said. He was your steady average keeper. But with Tracy, you've got something different. And like you say, there was, I, I personally would put Alan Kelly above him. But that's because I think Alan was a, I'm going to say, a steadier keeper. You know, there was a there was a reliability factor, and as Phil's alluded to there, for everything brilliant Simon Trace could do in terms of shot stopping, um, he, he did have rocking horse shit for brains at times. <laughs> and you know, we, the sendings off, you know, he'd, he'd get himself in positions, and you'd just be wincing. But equally, you, you'd forgive him because when he was called upon, in you know, in in his in his own area. It's when he used to go walk about a bit, didn't he? To say the least. But when he was I think in the that... back pass back pass rule ruined him a little bit a yeah. little bit, didn't it? <laughs> yeah. But when he was when you asked of him what you'd expect to ask of him in terms of shot stopping, I completely agree with you. He's the, he's the best shot stopper we've had at Bramall Lane. Um and like I was say, that obsessed. I was that obsessed. I didn't just have his kicks. I used obviously, you know, I used to be a goalkeeper. I had the same gloves as him, I had the same boots as him. Unfortunately, my hair goes curly when it goes longer, so I couldn't quite have the long mane that he had when he first signed in uh, in in the late eighties. But yeah, uh, it was a proper hero of mine. I can just picture you with a bit of a mullet, Phil. <laughs> it's not; it goes more like a mushroom. I mean, I've, I've saw more clean photos. <laughs> I've seen some photos of you as a young man, Phil, uh, and it, like the curls do suit you because. They make you look a bit like me, so that's uh... <laughs> nepotism at its finest. No, 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 you remember Josh's 18th birthday looking through the photo album? It looked like me up there holding him when he'd been born. Uh, but anyway, enough about Phil's hair. Tracy, I, I always like obviously Gage. I started going to watch United, so for context and and just shits and giggles, I'm a bit younger than Phil and Ian. Um, but like Kelly was obviously someone I was obsessed with, but Tracy, Tracy was always there. And ever since, so like when I started going to see United in like 1994 or whatever, ever, like it was like an ever present in squads, obviously it was out on loan in 94, 95 actually, but like it was never present in squads and around for ages and ages. And he set for like that president that we've always talked about. And I think it went a bit skew-whiffed in League One but we've always had United, like, decent goalies. And I think having people like Kelly and Tracy for long periods of time and then and then Kenny for such a long period of time, like, probably absolute bollocks if you went back through history, but, like, having two amazing goalkeepers at the same time, just unreal. And, and for me, like, you talk about Tracy, it's like, saves I've seen, obviously, 
back in the glory days of VHS, like watching like season reviews. And for me, it was like, it was the reflexes he was able to make as well. Like almost, you talk about him going like for a wonder and back pass. Classic, one of those like footballers, particularly goalkeepers, defenders can be a bit like our strikers, where once, if they, if they just act on instinct, they're outstanding. When they actually have to use the brain a bit, that's when it starts to go a bit wrong. And his instinctive ability to get him, just to get himself in the way, absolutely, absolutely brilliant. And by all accounts, an absolute, lunatic off the pitch as well not like mental but like could go and put the ale away with the best of them I, I think I think it's easy to forget that in that promotion season back up to the first division when you've got Dean scoring goals you've got Agana contributing you know we had Paul Wood came in and I thought was brilliant on the on the wing for us Bryson playing well we, you know we got a, a, such a wide range of players, Stancliffe like a rock at the back, Bob Booker influential, Tracy won player of the season and he won it two, the two, se- uh, two seasons afterwards as well, which was the season when obviously we played Wednesday twice for the first time in top division in 20 years, I think it was at the time. And we obviously did the double and that's when, uh, we, we laugh about Brewster and Booster getting all the acclaim for winding the Wednesday fans up. That's when Tracy was really doing the aeroplane around the 18-yard box in front of the Wednesday fans. Do you know, I, I was um, I was lucky enough to spend a bit of time with Simon Tracy in his, in his house through work. He was having some building work done and I was pricing some materials up and stood and have a, having a coffee and a chat about football in general. And he's got that as a canvas of him running behind the goal at their, in front of their cop in his kitchen. He's got it up in the kitchen. I, I made reference to it and he went, do you know what? He says, I've got nothing about my football career in this house anywhere apart from that one picture. And the only reason I've got it is because I got fined and banned for making rude gestures to the Wednesday fans as I ran around the back of the goal because they all complained and said that I started giving them the wanker sign. And the reason I've got that is to remember that I wasn't. I'd just got my fists clenched as I ran past their goal. And it, it just I just thought it was really nice of him. Yeah. That's the one thing he's got of his of his football career in his whole house. I mean, that's I think when we talked to Bradders, it became like the way he spoke about football. Obviously, he was obviously cared about United still and he was a football fan. But when he Bradders, was I don't think, don't think you. <laughs> I know what you mean. But like, is in a bit like that. I can't imagine Bradders has got like shirts adorning the hallway as you go in his house. Not that I've been, but like, you know what I mean. I, I can't. I, I just think it's a lot that like players these days. There's not going to be unless you're Ben White and you're just an arsehole. Like players, like, like they're all. You see them like at home with so-and-so, they've all got, like, shit up everywhere. And the fact he's got, like, that little salty and it just happens to be that he's, like, sticking two fingers up to Wednesday. Uh, well, it, little little dig on the pigs. Love it. But like you say, he actually wasn't doing anything at all. They were just that enraged by his behaviour, <laughs> which, which is the exact way to get to them. Um, but, yeah, we're not talking about them tonight. Jesus. The other thing was as well is yes, we've, you you mentioned it earlier, John. We've got we've got videos 
Um, but bear in mind, the coverage back then just wasn't the same as it was now. So the save, well, there was a save, and there was, I think there was a series of saves in that match, that if the coverage had been as it is now of top-level football, would have got shown time and time again. But it's yeah. forgotten about because it was, you know, some some bloke up at recording it for the I mean, Liverpool season I mean, video no. and maybe, maybe Granada TV for a 30-second package of highlights on a Sunday lunchtime. So you don't get to see these things time and time again. Like no, and, and that with goalkeepers particularly can sort of, like the general footballing consensus's view on a goalie changes due to the fact that your average fan who doesn't watch loads, who, you know, watches the goals on his his or her Sky Sports app on the phone. They just see these hearts and they go, oh, he's a decent keeper. I mean, people used to say, like, that bloke at Villa was really good. Brad Guzan, because he was getting peppered with about 30 shots a match. Probability yeah. suggests they didn't save somebody. It's like that the way we consume things now, there's loads, like you say, loads of footage, a constant reminder um, about, well, evidence that someone's good or bad or whatever. And, yeah, in it's the- in, it's interesting though. So back back in the times when Tracy used to play, when uh, watching back football highlights was consumed through VHS tapes, and everybody had the hundred and one greatest gaffes or hundred and one greatest goals that was released every season. Being a keeper, I used to buy the hundred and one greatest saves from a top flight season, and Tracy was on that so many times. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I, I think you've got to be a good shot stopper to be a goalkeeper, but his ability to to react was just phenomenal. But like, would you say, looking at him, his technique was possibly a little unorthodox sometimes. Oh yeah, massively, massively. And 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 that in a way, like almost like bridges that, like the almost like a throwback in terms of a goalkeeper and compliment. Sorry, as well, like Kelly being a bit more of a classy, like. All rounder, I would conventional say. goalie because he's yeah. big, imposing, like the sort of classic silhouette picture of him against in the penalty shootout against Coventry, like the legendary sort of photo of Kelly, if you will. Like he looks huge in the net, like whereas Tracy doesn't. It looked like they've just like Kelly. Kelly was as close to technically perfect as a goalkeeper as I think we'll ever see. He had everything, and. Trace a lot of what Kelly was great at in terms of his composure and his technical ability. Tracy didn't have, but he made up for it in just pure talent. Instinct. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what a fantastic pair we've got in the net in this squad, by the way. That's just a great start. And we've had a good debate about the third, the third goalkeeper, which will come obviously later. But like what a fantastic, uh, what a what a fantastic compliment complimentary pair of keepers you've got. Isn't it worth reminding people as well? By the way, we had these two at the same time. That's it. Yeah, like, it's unreal. Okay. And and bear in mind what one other goalkeeper that's in the debate for those who saw him was also there at the same time as well yeah. for a spell. Yeah. And, and people will guess who that is. Obviously, who remember of a certain age, but yeah. That, that that third goalkeeping slot is still up for debate. I think that one's gonna. I don't know. We have to literally thrash that out. We uh, have to wait for Dan on that. He's got a high opinion of goalkeepers. 
as you found out many a time on a Sunday morning. <laughs> he fucking didn't when I played behind him. <laughs> we had a high opinion, you just didn't reach it. <laughs> Something like that. So, should we... we move on? Should we, should we move on to the? Yeah, I think to, so. Move on to what's in front of the goalkeeper. Yeah. Um. So I, I think I'm right in saying if we we're going to move on to the central defence now. So, central defence, we've already got I think Jagielka in the squad, John. That's he's the only centre back uh, we've got at the moment. So we're looking at adding centre back too, and. Actually, we again. There's a bit of debate on this. I think we've got a good, some good options here at various points. I would say over the last thirty years, we know we've had some pretty technically good defenders. We've had some pretty hard defenders. Um, I think the one we're going to put in tonight, for me, and it was an interesting comment on Blades Pod's review of the season this week, saying again, it, it's a, he's a steady eight and a half <laughs> most weeks you know he's Mr Consistent and actually we again a kind of player that you don't fully appreciate what you've got till he's gone and it's one of our current squad and it's John Egan um, I'm amazed that John Egan hasn't been sought by a club in the Premier League since we've been back down for two seasons I think it's absolutely mind-blowing because I think he could get in half of the teams in the Premier League. The fact he was Ireland's player of the year speaks volumes. I know know Ireland aren't a top 10 world world, uh, country in terms of football, but the fact that they voted him their best player this season says a lot about him as a... a... Especially when they've got a lot more sexy, up-and-coming new ones coming through that would have given it to and got excited about. Um... So, so did Brentford when they sold him to us, but that didn't work well, did it? Well, no, did, I mean, I suppose, I suppose, I suppose, I'm going to say that they've done, they've done, they've not done bad. What I mean is, it's not like I don't think they've got any players that I would say are better than Egan in that position. Um, I can't say his name. Is it the Norwegian Kia? Kia, the yeah. one that's right. Yeah, he's pretty fucking good, but yeah, I, 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 I like Egan. I remember when they got promoted the first time and there was a picture of him and O'Connell that he put on social media saying Brentford rejects. And then he he deleted it, I think, about uh, either the next morning or about 90 minutes after. Because he's... I think he's with Egan. I could talk... I'm going to talk about him loads because I fucking love him. I'm going to go out... I'm going to not even... Like, hyperbole is going to overtake now and I don't care. I actually think he is, for United, he is the best defender we've had in my lifetime at United. He's a better defender for United than Phil Jagielka was. Phil Jagielka was a phenomenal footballer and went on to have an amazing career. Egan played better in the Premier League for United than we did, whether that was when we finished ninth or even when we were getting relegated, he was one of our better players. He's always available for selection. He's had some. He's had the occasional red card or things like defenders are going to pick them up, but he's just absolutely consistency personified, and he's a fucking top bloke as well. I just think he's absolutely wonderful, and there will be a time when he doesn't play for us anymore, and we will 
look back and be like, we used to, we've got him for four million pounds. It's already like one of the biggest snips in our history. People talk about like the Annals, a different sort of beast you're dealing with. You're talking about somebody who's played pretty much every minute for us now for how long? Four, five years. Played two hundred. Five years. He's played two hundred and two games. With two Premier League seasons in that, which have got fewer fixtures, always available, not easy to play in the middle of a three, just absolutely brilliant. And he will become club captain this summer. He has to. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think when, when we're putting this list together, it's it's almost quite easy to avoid recency bias and look in the past to try and find our players and without trying to sort of preempt who might come later in this squad. Morgan would have been an obvious choice to have at centre-half next to Jagielka. Egan, for me, would make this on merit. He's Yes, he's our current he's our current centre-half and we've just got promoted and all the doughy-eyed sort of memories that come with that. But he's been so good for the last five years for us. He rarely makes a mistake, apart from in front of the opposition's goal and he just seems to have got triangle-shaped head, but he's just... Every, you know what you're going to get from him. He's not spectacular. He just kicks and heads everything. He just loves defending, and that, that's what we've needed in that position, because we've had players around him that can play. He even, even tries to head it when it's about a few inches off the ground, as we saw in the <laughs> Premier League as well. I just think... At Liverpool, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, Liverpool, tackling, tackling, waiting head first into a tackle on the ground. He Brilliant. Is. He's just phenomenal. He's like, he's such a good player. Like, why do we like? Why is there this sort of like? Why isn't it like shouted from the rooftops? Like people have come and gone out of the team that had bigger, more songs about sung about them, more sort of celebration. Like more, more. Hull- they, they might have had more songs sung about them, but that they've not had their song sung by the cop, have they, on the rest of the whole of the ground? Well, that is true. And that that's not even... I don't even brought that into my, like, consideration when I was waxing lyrical about him just before. He's, he's a songsmith on a par with songs. Dave. Dave. That, was that his first season? It was, wasn't it? Yeah, because we the first season in in the champ... Oh, did, no, did, he, came, he came... We signed him the summer we went up, didn't we? That's what I mean. So that... The, that season that we got promoted and he wrote the song no, at the end of the I season. Was that did. his first season or did we sign him the season before? I'm. That was his first season. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Uh, did we get promoted? We, yeah, we did because we had Cameron Carter-Vickers and Jake Wright at centre-half yeah. at, yeah. uh, at Ellsbury, didn't we? But bear in mind, we had had him sort of yeah, yeah. six years oh, previous. Yeah. He was part of the... Uh, he played... First time I saw him play for United was Walsall away. And we didn't have a defence, and there was Ertl, Egan on loan. I think Matt. I think like Matt Hill. Oh God, it was a bleak night. Johnny Ertle. Prime. Yeah, prime, prime, prime. Like signed someone who was on the fringe of a Premier League club on a free when you're in the Championship, and realised there's a reason you got him for no. But yeah, he's just he's just phenomenal player, Egan. I remember when we were boozing with the the squad, Phil, after we got promoted. And he was like hugging me and jumping around, and he ate, he smelled lovely. And 
still my and smelt lovely. And he was just lovely. He put me on his Snapchat story, singing with him. And oh, the sound. I've got a proper just. I just and crush. Well, yeah. He's lovely, isn't he? He's just, Why not? He's a good looking fella. He's also like the fact that he, you just know, like he's probably back in Ireland in the pub drinking Guinness saying, oh, and then we had this, uh, we had this game. I'm not doing Irish accent. Like, just talk it. It'll be talking. This is like when they dubbed, used to dub Jerry Adams on the news. <laughs> Let's not mention Jerry Adams on the pod at length. That's. Ever again. Yeah, I think right. w- one of the things I love about uh, about Egan, it, and uh, re- really random, I, I met him in a bar not long after he signed, just stood having a chat with him. And it, I think from almost from then to, and it's kind of grown over the time, he gets us as a club. He, he talked about why he wanted to sign for us. He'd... he'd uh, he'd been here playing before, and he's seen the the, the noise that the cop can make, and he he knows how intimidating the place could be, and all that kind of stuff. And like like you say, he, he's gone on to to pen a song that's been sung on the cop. Not many players can say that, and he just gets us. He gets us as a fan base. He gets Sheffield as a city, and he, he he'll be sorely missed when he when he when he does go because he's almost he's almost irreplaceable i think to get that level of consistency of of performance and never actually missing a game i don't think i don't think he does go anywhere for the foreseeable because well, his, con- prob- his contract's up next summer he's probably too old to i don't know i'd like to think by next summer there was some sort of stability in the club that one of your longest serving Players, one of your captain, you can give him two years. Just, I mean, we yeah, did. Like I say, we're 31, 31 and a half next summer. So you're right. He's probably two, three years, though, at that stage, if he wants to stay. I mean, he's probably, he strikes me as somebody who probably does want to go and play for Shamrock Rovers at some point in his life. Like, he, he, he loves Ireland. He loves like Gaelic football and stuff, talks about it all the time, doesn't he? But maybe. Maybe if he was going to to go anywhere in this country outside of a Premier League team, it might have been up to Celtic, but that's not happened. And you mentioned Cameron Carter-Vishkas and Blade Man Dave before. And did you ever hear the Blade Man Dave song about Cameron Carter-Vickers? No, I think I might be about to. Cameron Carter-Vickers eats 10 bars of Snickers, one of the best, if not the best, of centre-forward kickers. How do you remember these songs? Because it's an earworm film. <laughs> and Dave is Dave is a true gen and a, a top blade. And um, before we played Millwall, I had a couple of beers with him and found out from his mate who he's with, Dave's not a young man, retired, family man, but he still plays five aside or seven aside three times a week. And he's in his late 60s, early 70s. So fantastic. And a wordsmith. But John Egan, absolutely. I, th- I don't know. Would you dispute, Ian? Phil's just gone to fill up his wine glass. Would you dispute my claim that he's the best centre-half we've had in the last 20 years? I probably wouldn't. And bear in mind, I was a big fan of Chris Morgan for his leadership oh. and everything else. But if we're talking about as a defender, 
then absolutely Egan's the best defender I've seen because he actually has done it at higher levels than a lot of the defenders I've seen as well. And he's done it for his country. And I think the only thing that goals me is in 202 appearances for United, he's scored seven goals. He's managed three in 30-odd games for Ireland. You know, and two of those goals came away at Hull the other season for United. Yeah. Big goal. I mean, big goal against Wrexham this year as well. He's um, earned me money this year, you know, Egan, twice. I've cashed out on results Forgive me for this, but I bet on QPR to beat us earlier on in the season. I cashed out in the 92nd minute and Egan scored. And I did exactly the same at Wrexham away. So I've cashed out bets and won the full amounts and he's gone on to score in them. I mean, there, was a, there were a lot of questionable bets last week that came in, so it's, it's fine. I don't think Sheffield United fans have ever won as much money in a bet on one night ever. Yeah, the, the S2 Labbook uh, shop was uh, was Ramraid, wasn't it? But it's like, Egan, I'd, I'd love to hear anyone who's listening to tweet disagreeing, but Egan is as good a centre-back as we've ever had. Me old man, 72, he thinks he's the best centre-back we he, he's, he's seen for United just because he, my dad, my dad phrased it as, he always just does, even when he's not, even when he's not on it, he does enough. It always just does enough, and I think that's fair. I think that's like quite a compliment that even in your worst games, you do enough in your position. And I think playing in the middle of middle of a three last season, particularly, he had personnel changing either side of him all the time, and he always held it together. Always, you know, um, it'd be interesting to hear what like goalkeepers say about him because he must have to do some serious organising there, particularly with someone like Basham, who's a free spirit, if we're being kind. Well, that's okay. it. And, and you, you, what you referred to earlier as well, in a in a season, in that season, largely behind closed doors, when things weren't great, actually, most weeks, even though we were losing, who was probably our best player? Johnny. Him, him and Baldock were, were still really or pretty good yeah, and committed. And when you've got nothing to feed on, but your actual just love of the support, uh, love of the su- sport, not support, sorry, and and, and you know, like your pride in the badge and the shirt are what drives you. That's, that's quite a compliment. Like, yeah. So should we, mo- should we move across the back four for our yeah, next yeah. player? Who's doing that? Is that you, John? Uh, well, I no mistake that after McBurney, which actually came good, this is a player that on here I've probably irrationally gone out to bat for over the years and like defended when he he uh, he's put in some indefensible performances. But in terms of where he was before. The best left-sided defender I've seen play for Sheffield United is Ender Stevens. Now, if somebody started supporting us two years ago, they'll think that I'm on drugs. Uh, but anyone who watched us um, under Wilder when he first signed that first season in the Championship, a bit questionable, but generally pretty good. 
And then that second season, he really, really kicked on. And he was one of the main reasons we got promoted. Those performances after Christmas as we got promoted, driving us forward. And then in the Premier League, after Andrew Robinson, he was the best left-back in the country for me. He's Ender Stevens. I just think he's at... I think history will be kind to Ender eventually, but recent history will be quite mean to him, but he definitely still should be in this squad. Yeah, I think 100%. I mentioned recency bias earlier, and, and arguably for the last... I think Bladespod might have mentioned this three and a half years, he hasn't been great. Almost since COVID took football away from us during that first season in the Premier League, he, he, he kind of came back and didn't look quite as good. But let's remember him for the couple of years before that, because I think for that period of time, I, I, I think he's probably the best left-back I've ever seen play for Sheffield United as well. I, I think... I think it, it was... I think defensively he was good. But increasingly, in, up until that period, like you say, probably until lockdown, he was great going forward and looked good going forward in the Premier League as well. Mm-hmm. And going back to that comment about, you know, Egan and Ireland and Ireland's Player of the Year, I'm pretty sure Ender was either Player of the Year one season for Ireland or certainly nominated again. You know, he was he held down that left-back spot for Ireland for a period of time as well, unchallenged really, despite you know, some, some other good players who could fill in that position. Um, again, he was, for a period, he was he was more than dependable, you know, and he could be a driving force for us going forward, which is what you need from players in that position. But equally, we've seen, we've seen over the last, even over the last season, when we've had changes at, at both wing-back positions, how badly exposed you are if you've got someone who's great going forward but can't defend or, or vice versa. Ender had that balance, for a period of time, absolutely bang on. Yeah, he can definitely do both. I think that there's a there's an argument that that first season in the Premier League, up until like you say, lockdown happened, he was our best player. He he contributed at the back because obviously he's a fullback and that's what his his job is. But going forward, was it Chelsea away when he not make three players like one after another? It was just he. I didn't realise how good he was. Even after we'd seen him for sort of three or four months, I thought, yeah, this kid's decent. But he just seemed to get better and better and better. And the, tra- the trajectory went up on was staggering. Well, I think what puts Ender above other left-backs we've had is technically outstanding in terms of scored quite a lot of goals from left-back. I don't have the stats, but I presume he scored more than Egan did for as for United in probably fewer games. Um, obviously delivery really good, but it was also like to play in that sort of system with the overlapping centre-halves. I think this actually highlighted why Baldock sometimes has been criticised, definitely by us, about it. Like he, like he knew when to do an early ball, but he also knew when to take an extra touch at the other end of the pitch. And that, for a left-back, is... Like they're like 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 they're not they're not desirable attributes. They're like bonus attributes that a player can have. Yeah. Um, wasn't it not the quickest, but but fantastic acceleration. And people would say, oh well, it's easy to be that good when you've got like Jack O'Connell playing behind you. 
But Ender, Ender was more than that. Ender was, Ender was brilliant, chipped in with goals. And yeah, I, I feel, I feel really a bit sorry for him because. So, j- just sorry to cut across you there, John. Nineteen twenty season in the Premier League was the joint highest assist provider for Sheffield United, which is from left back is pretty pretty impressive. Signing for free as well. But also, it's that appearances. If you like, we say that consistency. First season in the championship, forty-five appearances. Second, se- second season, 45, 45 appearances. Every game in the Premier League, first season, all thirty-eight. Thirty in the second Premier League season. So only missed eight games in that season. We never, now, obviously, we never recovered from that though, because no. he had an injury, and I think you could group him, Fleck, and a few others in that not being fit. And firing for about two years, yeah. And what what that is? I mean, well, you, we, you you have people in foil arts telling you it's the training methods, but it might be a pitch or whatever. But it's just sometimes bodies stop working when you get near thirty, as well as they used to, as well. But he he's just Ender was Ender has like for me like just being like criminally like disregarded. Oh, Max Lowe's better. Well, he's not, is he? So let's He's not better than what better. Ender Stevens was, but he's better than what Ender Stevens is now. Well, yeah, of course. But like people were very keen and this happened with Baldock and it's been proved to be nonsense on the other side. Like, oh, he's not amazing every week now. So let's suddenly upgrade him. Bogle's better than Baldock. And 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 like Ender I feel like it happened. I think that ha- that sort of criticism with him happened a lot earlier than other players. He didn't get a free pass, considering as much as other players do, considering the level he was at for us. Um, but yeah, this that's making it sound a bit sad. Focusing on no, I think it's right because I don't know how many times. I mean, I haven't had an argument with someone last season who was telling me Egan was shit. You know, we've got some complete. Doll's head sometimes followers, but you know, I, I, I mean, I, I didn't know how to, he, he was genuinely arguing me that that Egan was rubbish. But equally, there's been a, so much dissent about Ender this season when he's played, and it is sad. I think I think I think you're right to say it's sad. It, it's sad that a player isn't performing at the level he did, and it was a high level. Let's not let's not make no bones about it. Any drop off from that level would be noticeable because he was playing at the top of his game in the top division. I mean, in, in, in the championship and then in the top division. And I think, I think, like you say, history now isn't history now isn't kind to him because people could people have got that recency looking at what's happened over the last two seasons. Look back, he's he was outstanding for probably three three seasons. Do you know what I think is one of the most pleasing things for me because. Let's be honest, he's probably not going to get his contract renewed. And I tend to agree with that, sadly. Best game he's had for us for a couple of years was the last game he's had for us. I thought it was really good against Birmingham. And that, he he looked maybe not quite what he used to be, but he, he was going forward well, he defended well. And it was just, I guess, pleasing to see a player sign off, player like him that's got a legacy like he's got sign off like that. Hundred percent, and I really hope that Wilder gets the job, 
in League One. I don't think he would take one, but say he does get a decent job at League One level and he takes someone like Ender in and Ender goes on and has a really good season somewhere. Um, I think they mentioned it on Blades Pod talking about Fleck right, almost taking like a bit more of an active interest in a club wherever he goes. I do 100% do the same with Stevens. Um, I think the sort of the sort of like the period of players that we've we've had that are coming to the end now, and we'll get some players into this squad. I'm sure whose contracts will expire. Um, some really significant ones, but like there's a lot of like really loved players going to leave this football club this summer, and that will happen over the next couple of windows. And someone like Ender, it's weird because. Like obviously, if you don't support us two years, you'd think good riddance. But like, such a phenomenal player for us, and I, I, I don't know. I do I hold like Max Lowe and people to higher standards because of him? Probably not. But like, we it like we'll struggle to get anything like the player we had the last time in the Premier League. We'll we won't be able to buy somebody as good as that. Um, because he was he was he was absolutely brilliant. Like, re- like agreed. I, cu- I couldn't I couldn't have put it better myself. Yeah, yeah. I feel a bit sad actually. Yeah, I, I think we should move on before John starts crying. No, I I, I love Egan and love Stevens. Two of my favourite of United players, top five, both of them. Adore them, particularly Egan, but like, I love them both. Yeah, I'm not. Uh, and I, I th- were, were the. Uh, Worthy members of this this squad, I reckon. Probably, probably when we talk about our own starting elevens, probably both make that as well. But we'll see on a later episode. Mm. So moving moving a little bit further up the pitch, we're going to go for a midfield the next. Uh, midfield so far, who've we got? Norwood. Oh yeah, we've got Norwood, and um, you could argue maybe Whitehouse. So Gibbs White ish. So I think maybe Norwood, we know he plays that deep lying role and, and with his ping and creates things and sets things up. We probably need a goal scoring midfielder. And in my lifetime watching Sheffield United, no midfielder scored as many goals as Michael Brown in one season. He has to be in this squad. Yeah. Absolutely the ultimate sort of, like, perfect... I can't think of an instance where a player in the United career had a a more fruitful one season. Not that his others were bad, but, like, it was just... The only time as well, considering how often we've been in the Championship with quality players in this team, we've literally had the best player outside the Premier League. Not so much, like, we could argue we had that this year, but, like... Michael Brown won, like, all the awards. He was, like, I think he was knocking on the door of the Golden Boot that season, but Redknapp had spent a load of money at Portsmouth. And it was the the Bulgarian striker begins with T. Todd, Todd, I think he got the Golden Boot that season. Todorov? Was it? I'm trying to think now. You know what I mean? I think you do. Yeah, I do, yeah. I do, and I can't even think. We can be forgiven it was 20 years ago, but... 
we had the best player outside the Premier League and he was absolutely phenomenal. And it was that triple assault season and it was just wonderful to have a player like that. Was it 400 grand we got him from Man City for? Yeah, it wasn't a lot. 400, yeah. It was three or 400. Sveti- Sorry, I just had to look that up. Svetislav Todorov, yeah, I, reckon, I see him now. He's a funny old looking fruit, but... I remember... <laughs> all, his, all his mother would love him, you know, but... He's, uh, I think he yeah. got the golden boot because he had Sheringham as well and Merson. Yeah. I remember him now. It's amazing how these things forget. Yeah, they also had an awful gold kit, which we then went on to copy. And yeah, they had the Beanie Baby logo, didn't they? The love heart with T.Y. in it. T.Y., yeah. Anyway, Michael Brown. Um, yeah. Scoring Talking goal. about Portsmouth, didn't he play against us for Portsmouth in, a, in uh, Warnock's first game? He did. Yeah. And then he obviously went, oh, I'll tell you what, oh, I can imagine you down here, Brownie. I think you'd be brilliant. <laughs> I, can see you, I can see you rattling him in. I can see it. Yeah. I mean, Brown, it was what what's amazing. Like, obviously, we talk about him at United, but like, gone from being this sort of like, would you say you would say cultured midfielder, goal scoring midfielder for us? Uh, I don't like think of any highlights of him. Play, I can't really imagine remembering playing much apart from the goals, but then went on to, to turn into basically the biggest thug in in lower Premier League football. Like tried to play at Spurs, while wasn't and by his own admission, I wasn't good enough, so I just started kicking everyone. Uh, the then, thing is, though, people remember Brownie for his goals, and rightly so, for that season, he yeah. was always, always a shithouse. I, I was just about to say, I always, I love the fact that he was technically a good footballer, scored goals, but he had a nice little edge to it. Yeah, he did. It, but he, and he was, he was comical with it as well. I can remember him talking Richard Sneakers off when we beat West Brom 5-0 down at Bramall Lane. And it, 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 that's just what he was a shit house. I bet he was horrible to play against, and then he became hard with it as well, which yeah. obviously later in his career became always, always giving it that in his always chirping, always. always chirping, and he'll, he'll just um, you know tip them, tip them over the edge. I didn't realize he's had cancer, hasn't he, in the last couple of years? I don't really know that he ran the London Marathon this year, so he had skin cancer. Now, if there was a cancer, Michael Brown was going to get somebody who lives on the sunbed like he did. <laughs> <laughs> Dare I say, but yeah, thankfully, yeah, I think he just went for a health screening and Gosh. they were like, that's cancerous, yeah. Because he's on Twitter, yeah. So he's, um, but he's, what's great is he's, he's like, like, he's part of that sort of Man City before they had loads of money guard that now get used because they used to play for Man City to talk about and so he's like him. Meek is obviously the biggest example. Needham and you is really good as well. But like, like he gets on. He's City fans on. loved him, by the way. Mm, City yeah. fans love Michael Brown. He's on. He's all over the. He's all over like the BBC and stuff. And like, really, like those spots are usually reserved for people who've been to the the more upper echelons of football. But obviously, there's one goal that we have to talk about. Is there a better goal, technically? Ever been scored in a Sheffield derby than that one? Oh, not in a Sheffield derby. I thought you were going to say ever scored at Bramall Lane. Yeah, he did it again the week after. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, just that week you thought he couldn't hit that any sweeter. 
Yeah. And then he week after, oh, there we are. Did exactly the same. Yeah, there's never been a better goal scored in the Sheffield derby and never will be. Just perfect. And it makes it even sweeter that it was Derek Geary that edited it to him. <laughs> it was as well like the fact that we that was to equalise, wasn't it? That's a proper Quinn, blur. I can't remember. It's 20 years Quinn, ago. Quinn put them 1-0 up. Yeah. And then Brown does that. Then... Cabba scored. Cabba scores a scrappy one. Or does Cabba score the scrappy one to get us back in it? I don't remember. I think Cabba back... scores a scrappy one to get us back in it. Oh. And then Chief scores at the end, doesn't he? So... And, it, and it, again, you, we talk about these moments, and then this is about the player, but you get these moments of commentary. Chris, Chris Kamara's commentary, or co-commentary, shall we say, on that goal and the follow-up on it. Kamara's absolutely, you just hear his joy coming through at what he's just witnessed. And it's not because he played for United or anything like that. It is just genuine joy at watch, watching a technically pinpoint goal and everything about it. Do you know, it, that, that goal is one of those few memories that I can truly remember everything about it. I can remember the, the moment it went up in the air and seeing him running on. I, I can, I can not just because I've seen it that many times, I can remember at the time, and it's 20 years ago, it, just the greatest goal. Did he get voted the greatest goal Sheffield United's ever scored? Did, didn't it? Yeah. I, I I could make arguments for others just because of maybe the uniqueness or the other factors involved, but for what it meant at the time and the match it was part of, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I think in terms of how iconic it is, the Duffy one's better. And I've gone yeah. back further. I think I think Brian Dean against Liverpool is is a technically difficult goal to score. Well, he takes it off Grobler. But, and I also think Dean Saunders throwing the ball off the back of Paul Musselwhite and <laughs> curling it into the net is brilliant. And I can't believe I didn't mention it before, but like Ender Stevens scoring that one against Brighton. Yeah. It's the top corner. He's technically outstanding. Um, but yeah, Brownie as well, like other like iconic things I remember. I remember I used to love going to Millmore when I was, so I've been like 13, 14. Well, no, a bit older, like 15, 16. Go to Millmore, my dad like, don't know where to park, but he says it's a fiver in here, which seems a lot, but it'll be all right. And then walking down and around Millmore, they've got all the, the builders, the arts that have got like broken glass, like cemented into the brickwork. So you can't <laughs> go in down the back alleys and going into the away end and playing there on a Friday night on Sky in the pouring rain. And we had that D-Sun shirt. Uh, the blue D sun shirt with the red. Yes, remember this. I remember actually, I was watching the sky, which is actually a really good shirt. Uh, we shouldn't ever have a blue kit, but there we are. Um, and Brown scored a penalty in that, and like that feeling big because Rob, that when Rotherham were like, they do it every like five six years or so, but really punching above. Yeah, um, under Ronnie Moore, Ronnie Moore were hot property. And playing in that that team, and that triple assault season generally, 
like such a weird combination of players, like true Warnock style of like you've got the young lads coming through like Tong and Jags, and then you've got Sean Murphy, people like Steve Yates playing like shitload of games. Unlove chipping in with goals galore, scored an hat trick against Rotherham at home that season, I think. Unlove. Uh, like, and Brown was just, Brown was like the special player in there in midfield with McCall, like scoring all sorts of goals. Yeah, he was on penalties and stuff, but 20 goals or whatever. Was it 20, 21 from midfield? I thought, was, I thought it was 23. I've just been looking actually how many goals he scored for United. So Michael Brown's played 147 times for us. Hmm. How many goals do you reckon he scored? I wouldn't be surprised if he goes above 30, late 30s. I think I don't think it's that many. I think it was one purple season. Ian? He's probably looking on with Have you just looked? I'm not, no, I've not looked. I've I've just no, I was doing something yeah. for the for the Twitter later. But I if you I, get this right, I don't believe it. I'll show you the fit now. Um I'll say 36. He only scored 28 goals. Wow, there you go. We both over-egged it, but yeah, it was one purple season. It's amazing how, but that but that says a lot, doesn't it, about the impression he made mm. and one season. And it's interesting. It's an interesting thing, isn't it? Because you'd argue he was he was more than he wasn't a one season wonder, but you think about him as this goal scoring midfielder, and like you say, one one season colours that whole view, and it was a special season, you know. It, Ultimate ultimate failure in true United style, but you know that's the irony, though, isn't it? Everything Michael Brown it, everything Michael Brown it that season went in apart from yeah. the penalty at Cardiff. If he scores the penalty, if he scores the penalty at Cardiff, we'd probably go on and get back into the game. I think you're right. I do. I think you're right. I think I, I certainly think we'd have got a, a second back at some point, second half, and the, the that makes it interesting. Is, it would have been the greatest comeback in playoff, playoff history. history. Shut up. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> and put Sheffield United into the worldwide football consensus. <laughs> Andy Inchcliffe must have been gutted. He got Newcastle-Leicester uh, on Monday night. Not as gutted as the poor cunts who had to watch it without miserable fucking prick speaking on it. <laughs> Has everyone gone on the... Is it be like golf tournament on in fucking Algarve or something? If they're having to... Like, all commentators have gone out there. Why the chuffing hell is he getting airtime? That's the worry. We get him next season. Anyway, we digress. We're going to get him next season. Because we'll, we'll, we'll be the, 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 the... We'll be the match next season that they don't really want to have to show, but contractually they have to show us the... I don't know. Bournemouth live at some point. And it'll be... Seb, what's his face, and Andy Inchcliffe. Anyway, we, we, we weren't talking about that. We're talking about Michael Brown. Oh, who Michael actually, Brown. and actually, I would say he's Mike—he's a very good pundit. And again, that's a, it's a, a slight digression. But when you remember him as a footballer and talk, you didn't think of him as being probably as eloquent and you know as polished a broadcaster he is. Well, I think like that's live, live, and on like, TV. I think, I think as well with like, I was taking the piss a bit before with like this Man City sort of like hang your honours from before when they were shit like now because they used to play for Man City you still have to like do the work and not piss everyone off and actually be semi-decent at it and he, he clearly is um, and to be yeah. what I was like the expert summariser on 
like BBC radio coverage for Man City is like the go-to guy. What a gig for him. Stay in the game, it's easy. It's just great. And he and like you say, he talks sense. Um, and I still think he holds I still think he holds a lot of fondness for this time at United. When you hear him when when they have been when he has been asked to comment on the what's happening at United, when I've heard it on the radio, when we've you know, reference to when we've been playing and he's been on pundit duty when he's cropped up on the football league coverage there's a there's a goes back to it you know players come here and actually yeah you, you do need to i'm sure marcus williams will look back on his time at united with great fondness but i've so you got you, that fucking prick up i was thinking of the shittest footballer i've seen in recent years and he's, oh, he's the, God, that's the podcast in itself that's a squad <laughs> of hell we should do that that's that'll be next season's keepers going for 23 podcasts and then <laughs> manage about eight um but no the, the point Aaron Gig could have a they got to have a degree of a success or you know on pitch success for that but how many is yet another one who clearly after his spell here has a strong sense of affection for the club and, and the fans I mean you, when you play even if you play football very amateur level you can be in a vein of form where you're confident to take shots or you know, you you know, there's a six-yard foot race on and you reckon, well, 10-yard foot race on, and you're like, you come, I'll win that ball. I'm I'm strong enough to go into that challenge. I'm gonna give my I can give all myself over to that. And we've experienced that when you're playing five aside, you're playing well, or playing eleven aside on a Sunday morning, you're playing well. If you're playing like for a big club and you're rattling goals in, everything you hit's going in. And, and like 20,000 people are singing your name. Probably about 28,000, but like they were everyone on the gate back then taking money in the sock, weren't they? <laughs> but like, you must, of course, it's going to like live long in your memory. And it's interesting. We've talked about like recency bias. Like, I think there's a lot of players who play in midfield in recent times. Like Oliver Norwood, I would argue, is a better has been a better midfielder over a longer period for United than Michael Brown. But that one season and that amount of goals, we've never had anyone like that. Not in my, not in the, not in like the nearly thirty years I've been following him anyway. The thing is, he's always remembered for that one season, with rightly so. But he was pretty bloody good the seasons he wasn't scoring them goals as well. And people forget that. He was a really, really good footballer. And yeah, you're right. Norwood will go down as one of our greatest ever midfielders. Brown will be remembered for that season, but he should also be remembered for the other stuff he did as well. Yeah, I mean, I, what's, what all the picks tonight, apart from maybe people who've forgotten what they used to do, I don't think anyone would dispute any of them. And one that I think out of all four will get no... It'd get no kickback of Brown. He's the out of these four players, like he's we know until recent times when we've had players like Gibbs White and Enjai. Um we've not really had like amazing sort of like number 10 like forward type players. I can remember. Like Duffy was probably the nearest thing to that. But more like a an old school eight, maybe I don't know. But 
like Brown was like the the goal scoring midfielder. If you can get one, he's just phenomenal. Like he's it's a great, you know, like a real. And this isn't disrespect to him, but like a poor man's Frank Lampard, like composed in possession, but just finishing chances and also taking responsibility, scoring penalties. And we talked about it with with Egan, but Brown played apart from when he got booked so he could go on a sun holiday. <laughs> um, Brown played every minute he was available, mainly because Warnock wouldn't let him not. Just one one other thing on Brown, I guess, for me, he also benefited. And this, this isn't downplaying what he achieved, but what a what a good midfield options we had that season. You got you got the sort of brains of McCall and the the, the sort of experience. You got Michael Tong really finding probably his best season at United. And that so, unlove on the right. So you've got you've got a very unusual four there, really. Unlove Brown, McCall, Tong, but a bit of everything. Montgomery you got, was you got Montgomery as well, well that could just go around ratting and, yeah. and letting and, them play. And it, and he just facilitated probably the best season Tong had in a blade shirt. Um, Brownie doing what he did. McCall was great. You know, I think, you see, you know, you can look back with a, with a great deal of fondness, but also think actually one of those times again where we were blessed for a period of time with a midfield that we didn't see the like of again for years. Well, we didn't get a midfield, even when we were in the Premier League, that could lay a glove on that until we got Coots, Coots, Fleck and Duffy, probably. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Um, there were some good players in that time. Plenty of shit ones. <laughs> like some real fucking dross in central midfield. Uh, I remember when David McAllister came in and everyone thought he was going to be the next big thing because he missed it the shot from 40 yards that went into the top corner and then we sold him that summer and everyone was outraged. Oh, why have we sold McAllister? If only Dan was here to talk about Dean Hammond. Ah, well, it's all it's like borderline. That, that, that's, that's, for the, that's for the pod we've just trailed earlier. <laughs> or the series of pods. Yeah, the, the, the worst... Of the worst. Um, yeah, but that, I think we've added four uh, absolutely fantastic players in there. And what's interesting is we've been speaking about this on our WhatsApp group all week. Um, and we didn't really have a plan. And we, in true style, started talking about it 20 minutes before it came on. And then when we got on the, on the call, we had a chat for about 15, 20 minutes. And it became obvious that it was going to be a bit more of a bigger task. Uh, than we anticipated. Uh, before we talk about, I'll remind you of who's in the squad and, and obviously we're going to do another one of these with Dan, hopefully soon. Um, one thing I would like to ask is, so we didn't really do an end of season review last year and we started this by putting Gibbs White in because he'd been such a good player. Now, there's a song sung towards the end of this season about James McAtee which calls him a wanker. Um, Gibbs White, not James McAtee. Yeah, well, people people have been saying worse things about McAtee. Someone I know called him a dink uh, after that Luton <laughs> game, which is quite a statement. If you know what that means, I'm not going to explain it. But the thing is with Gibbs White, like, he's fucking brilliant. 
And it's such, if he was doing it for someone else other than Forrest, I think we'd look so fondly on him still. And I think it's been easy on some United fans to just be like, well, shit, cost 50 million is not worth it. For start, he is worth that in the current market. And if you listen to a lot of like podcasts and stuff around the top flight, um, everyone's now talking about him as like, well, he's Forrest's best player. I, I think he'll be in this or the next England squad, providing he stays injury free. And I'm just wondering, like, I'm happy for him to stay in the squad and I think he should. Um, I just wondered if you two, this wasn't scripted, by the way, say scripted, like we've got a detailed plan, we adhere to, but like, would you two agree with me? Do you disagree with me? I, I think the fact, the fact that it, the fact is, it's who he plays for that people don't like him, not him. Mm. They do. And, go, go on, on Sorry, go on, Phil, sorry. And people are forgetting how good he how good he was last season. In in not not just in the fact he created goals, he scored goals, but he worked so bloody hard for this team and he nearly got us he nearly got us up. And it, yeah, it's a shame he's he's gone to a club that we don't like very much and a and a city we don't like very much particularly, but just remember that season. There's not been many better lone players we've ever had. I think the other the other thing, like you say, is the club he plays for. I think I saw the, and you you're gonna tell me it was on one of the WhatsApp groups, Ron. I can't remember now. But people moaning about him, like kissing the forest badge, or you know, doing this. I couldn't give a monkey's players do it. Let's be honest. Yeah, he's, he's, he's bigging their by, fans up. He's, he's bigging their fans up. They're they're supporting him now. He's Paid by Forrest to play for Forrest, he, he's gonna he's gonna revel and sort of um, drive himself off the back of that support and everything else. Of course, he's gonna do that. Does it mean does it mean he didn't enjoy and appreciate the support of United fans and everything that happened while it was around the lane? No, but he's moved on. We can move on because we've gone up this season, but we can I still don't... look back and say actually, for what he did last season, the things we saw from him. He's still one of the, again, technically, one of the better players we've seen in the United shirt in a long time. He's, he's phenomenal talent. Like He also he's made been... Billy Sharp look good last season. But having, having said that, John, in, in response to your actual question, do we keep him in? If you're asking me now, now I've listed out the players that I've tried working out who I would have in this squad. I'm not sure. I'm not sure I'd pick him because those that, are the players I might want to play in his place. Would I, I, would, I would keep I would keep him because he brings a factor of unpredictability. I think I think, and I've got players similar to you, Phil. When I was scribbling names down earlier, thinking who else can we put into this? Who who would I want to see in there? I think I've got players who I'm going to describe as were consistent for a longer period for United but wouldn't give us something out of nothing that gives White can. And I think in the squad, we need a sprinkle of that. And at the minute, we've got that with Njai and Gibbs White. And I think, well, I think, might, I think, I think, I think it depends, depends if I have my way. I think, I think there's one or two others that might come in and give us that as well. But let's see, let's see if we all agree on that down the line. Yeah. Okay. 
I think I've, I just thought I'd bring it up because, you know, people are very keen to, to forget. And I think we can all be guilty of that um, with football. But like with Gibbs White, I think, I don't know. We'll all be calling him a scab next season anyway. So let's yeah. move well, on. I hope he doesn't. I don't want to. I'd really hope that. <clears throat> I hope there's not a like, monumental sort of booing reserved for him. Because I tell you what would I tell you what would fry some people's head. McAtee goes on loan to Forest next season. <laughs> well, there's, unless we can, unless we can stump, <laughs> unless we can stump up, unless we can stump up some dough. Him, there's every chance Doyle comes back. I don't think we see McAtee. I think that's that's one of the things. Who knows? Like Dozy might be like mining Bitcoin and gets it over the line in a few weeks. So uh, anyway, so the squad, gents, Kelly and Tracy are our goalkeepers. We've got Vasper Bokis as our sole right back. We've got Ender Stevens as our sole left back. Now, a conversation about right backs and right wing backs will come, I'm sure. Centre back, we've got Phil Jagielka and John Egan. In centre midfield, we've got Ollie Norwood and Michael Brown. In the attacking slash wide midfield bracket, we've got Dane Whitehouse and Morgan Gibbs-White. And we've got Illiman and Jai and Brian Dean up front. So the squad is growing. There's 12 players there now. Um, for Qatar, you could have 26 players. So we might cheat and do that. But we also, the Gibbs-White one, we're good to get Dan's take on it. And maybe people are enjoying these pods over the next couple of weeks throughout the summer, whenever we can be asked to do them, might not see us for another three months. Uh, but um, oh, don't let's not overpromise. I'm not. I've <laughs> just put a massive caveat in. But maybe with this, um, I'm saying it could be it could be three or four months. It could be four. I think, months. Let's I, I think the wording the wording of if we can be asked made. Um, struck a bit of a chord, but that's a different conversation. I mean, I'm very honest to a fault. Um, this is good fun for us. If the listeners, I'm happy to chat this, even if you don't want to listen to it. <laughs> I can't be asked. apparently. <laughs> no, but... Um, Sounds like a slogan, that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Coming, coming soon. No, to... is it? Four Blades in the Pub. I listen to Four Blades in the Pub when they can be bothered. Yes. 100%. But uh, maybe we, if I'm allowed to finish what I started saying, <laughs> uh, maybe in a few weeks we we can put a vote, does Gibbs White get removed? Because Phil did float the idea of no loan players. So there you go. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed that. And the fact that we naively thought we were going to complete the squad in one of these, um, we had a fantastic um, discussion off air, and we've all had, we've all got weird ideas. I'm sure, and well, I hope that you agree with the four people that being added in. Uh, we'll we'll update the infographic, um, and if there's anyone that you think why haven't they put him in yet? Let us know. We'd love to. We 
want this to be as engaging slash as interactive as possible. Um, we had some great feedback on the last pod. It, it was really nice because we do enjoy doing it, but we all just have jobs and families and they're really hard and take up time. So some of us have two jobs. So there we go. Um, but anyway, lads, have you got anything else to add? Up the blades. Up the blades. Yeah, we'll go with that. Up the blades. Yes,